Welcome to the Venice Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Venice Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Go ahead and grab your Bible, and let's get ready to dig into the Word together today. Grab your Bible and go to the book of Romans. I'm serious. <laughs> now, wait a minute before y'all like, no, nah, man, I am out of here. He told me we was done. No, uh, because I, we are moving on. We are moving on from the book of Romans. And if you're, and if you're here for the first time, you're, you're like, what's happening right now? We have spent the last several months making our way through the book of Romans. And last week, we really did, we kind of put a bow on the letter. And we realized, number one, that we didn't hit everything that we wanted to hit. So if you, if you follow the Vintage Church podcast over the next few weeks, you're gonna see some special episodes um, called Romans Revisited, where we're gonna lean back into those chapters and hit some things that maybe we didn't have time to hit or camp out in some places we didn't really camp out in. And so Jasmine and I are doing that th- kind of through like a conversation. And so make sure you check that out. But as we moved into the summer, um, our, uh, the last few years, we've always preached in series. And if you're new to our church, we usually pick a topic or we do something in for six, 10, 12 weeks. And over the last few years, those have gotten longer and longer. And we've done more ex- what's known as expository preaching, which means we just kind of take a book of the Bible and kind of walk our way through that. And we've done a lot more of that in recent years. We walked through John a couple summers ago. We went through Galatians. Even this, the start this year, we walked through a good portion of Exodus and Numbers looking at the life of, of, of Moses, trying to learn from him. And I'll be honest with you, when we were praying about what to do this summer, I felt like we were going to go through the book of Matthew. We were just going to walk through the gospel of Matthew. And then I was reading through my journal over the last several months and just leaning into some things that God has taught me in the last couple years. And it's, it, it's been a doozy the last couple years. Come on, somebody. And I'm, I'm a big journaler. I just, it's a place where I just mind dump and I just write things down as the Holy Spirit's speaking to me as I'm reading the Word. And there's things that God has taught me that I've thought for a while that those things were just for me. And then God said, no, I need you to preach that. And I said, well, you're in charge. So... That's what I'll do. And so this summer, there's just a handful of subjects that, that we're going to be leaning into that really aren't connected, and it's not really a series. And we're going to have um, some, some guest speakers come in, uh, uh, or there's a team of us that are going to be in the Czech Republic this summer, and so during that time, I'll be away, and there's going to be somebody preaching. Next week, June 12th, Pastor Brad Thomas, who is planting a church in Archdale, Fresh Life Church, he's going to come and, and hang out with us and share his heart and preach, and we're going to come alongside this church, everybody, and we're going to support it. And we're going to continue to operate as a church. The other churches in our community, they are not competitors. They are co-labors for the kingdom of God. I told somebody last week that, that Brad was coming to preach, and he said, wait a minute, isn't he planting a church in Archdale? I said, he is. He said, isn't that in your community? I said, it is. He said, aren't you afraid he's going to steal your people? I thought, like, he's going to pull up a van and just start tossing people in? Like, what are you talking about? Like, still, like, no, number one, like, if anybody, if Pratt is here and God lays it on your heart to help him start this church, we will send you believing that that's from the Holy Spirit because we are about growing the kingdom, not just this church. And I feel like God is calling our church. You know, we're a church plant that's 14 years in, and I think God's taught us things that we need to help share with other people. And one day we'll just all be in heaven, no matter what room we set in on earth, and we're going to all be partying together, celebrating Jesus for all eternity. 
All right, let's go home. See y'all. <laughs> Romans chapter 15 is where I want us to start. And this is going to be the first and a handful of messages that I'm going to bring to us throughout this summer that, again, are just things that are right out of my journal, things that God's putting on my heart. And I've titled this message, Escaping Exhaustion. Anybody need to hear it? Escaping exhaustion. And there's a verse in Romans 15 that Jasmine hit on when she taught a few weeks ago, and I, I hit it when we were reading through Romans prepared, and it just, it, I couldn't get away. It's Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I don't know if y'all know this, but people who follow Jesus should be full of hope. Some of us need to tell our face that when we come here on Sundays. Come on. Like, those of us who follow Jesus should be filled with hope. And I don't know about you, but I, I, hear, this, I hear this saying a lot, that I understand the sentiment, but it's not true. People say, the church is the hope of the world. No, it's not. Jesus is the hope of the world. The church is the vehicle charged to carry that hope to the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. The church, we're the vessel, we're the vehicle that have the message of hope that is only found in Jesus. And our job is to be the vessel, the vehicle that carries the message of hope, the person of hope, the reality of the hope that we have in Jesus. We're the ones that carry it into our schools and we carry it into our offices and we carry it into our neighborhoods and we carry it into the places that we shop. But I don't know about you, but I don't always feel hopeful. And how can we be a vehicle of hope when everybody in the car is hopeless? And the more I have conversations with people and the more I pay attention in life, it seems like our hope bucket has a lot of holes in it and it's just draining as fast as it possibly can. And if we're gonna be the people of hope that we need to be, like we gotta find a way to restore this hope, to rest in it, to walk in it with consistency. Grab your Bible now and go from Romans 15. Go over to 1 Peter chapter three. Go to 1 Peter chapter three. I'm gonna start reading in verse 18. 1 Peter chapter three. I want you just to hear these words, man. Pull it up on your phone, highlight it. If you got a Bible, it's okay to write in it. God ain't gonna get mad at you. 1 Peter chapter three. I'm gonna start with verse eight. I'm gonna read through verse 15. You ready for the word of God? Say amen. amen. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as Lord, Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I'll read that verse, and there's so much of what Peter is trying to communicate to us as followers of Jesus. And every time I read that, he says, always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you. And that, the very essence of that verse says that we as followers of Jesus, he, he assumes that we'll live with so much hope that others will be curious enough to ask. That People who don't know Jesus are going to watch the people who do know Jesus, and they're going to live in such a way. They're going to walk with such hope. They're going to be people who say, could you please tell me what is wrong with you? Why are you so hopeful? And I want to be, I want to live curiously hopeful. I want to live in a way that makes people curious, and not in all the bad ways I have before. Because I think we have a good way of making people curious. Like people are curious that we sit in church every Sunday and we still so mean. People are curious that we open our Bible during our lunch break, but don't seem to be living out what we're reading. People are curious to know that we got a bumper sticker that says, Honk if you love Jesus, and they drive by and we give them a sign. Come on. I was like, did he see me? <laughs> yes, I have spies everywhere. <laughs> but you, do you understand? Do we live in such a way? Do we walk with such a... And I'm not talking about like this fake, like everything's great. I'm talking about hope. This abounding hope. When, when Paul says in, in Romans, abound in hope, it's like a, a, a big amount. It, it's a, it's in, in great measure that we would abound in hope. And we live in a time when we need, we need hope dealers in the world, don't we? Yes. We, we need some hope dealers. We need some hope dealers in our schools and in our workplaces and in all the, we need hope dealers. But the question is, do we have hope? And, and, and we know the answer. Like most days, I think all of us would admit that we walk around and we operate with very little hope. But here, and this is what I've learned. I want to be curiously hopeful, but what I find is I'm constantly exhausted. Can anybody relate? And, and I don't know how, how we do both well. And I'm not saying you can't be exhausted and hopeful at the same time. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying I have learned in my life when I'm constantly exhausted, it becomes an obstacle for me being curiously hopeful. Because I... Ask any of our staff, ask my wife. I don't hide my emotions well. I wear them on my sleeve. Y'all know I cry all the time. It's just kind of how I'm wired. I'm an emotional person. I have to cry because my wife never does. <laughs> if I die, you make sure my wife cries at my funeral because I don't know if she will. What am I talking about? Stay with me. Stay with me. We are, we are constantly exhausted. And this is a, I have conversations with people, and I say, how you doing? Oh, I'm tired. Think about how often you hear that. When you say, when, when people are honest, like, man, how you doing? Whew. Some 
little phrase to kind of articulate that, that, we're war, that we're wore out, that we're busy, that we're burning the candle at both ends, all these constantly exhausted. And I just don't know, church, I don't believe that we can be the instrument for God's gospel with the instrument of love, the dealers of hope that we're called to be if we don't do something to resolve this issue of exhaustion. And, and I think some of us have just settled, that's just what it means to, to, to do life. That we've just settled for exhausted is just the state that we're constantly going to be in because we've, we've learned how to function in it. And when we learn how to function in it, function in it, we start settling for it. When we learn how to function in it, we're just functional exhausted folk. And understand what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not talking about a season of busyness because we all have those, Right? I mean, there's sometimes you go through a season of business that is beyond your control because there's just things that you, you only have, anybody else learning, you only have so much control over your schedule at times because you don't decide when the school does this and when this thing is due and when this season starts, all this kind of stuff. And you go through seasons of busyness and, and you have kids going all different directions, playing all different sports and it's a season. And you got, and you're just, I'm not talking about a season of busyness because we all have those and they're not necessarily under our control. We have to learn how to manage those right, right? Come on, y'all with me. Talk to me. Come on, church. I'm not talking about moments of weariness because we have, those are, that's a natural part of living in this earth. We have moments where you just feel weary, where that weariness just overwhelms you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a constant state of exhaustion. The ones where you wake up tired, exhausted, And l let me kind of define what I mean when I say exhaustion, because I want you to understand the things that I believe are, that, that, that are, are present in this. I'm talking about physically tired, emotionally drained, and spiritually empty. That might not be like Webster's dictionary definition of exhaustion. This is Matt's definition of exhaustion. I'm talking about when you are physically tired, emotionally drained, and spiritually empty. That's why we have to have this conversation, because people who are physically tired, people who are emotionally drained, and people who are spiritually empty have a hard time functioning in any area of life. And y'all, I'm not worried about the impact on your pro productivity. When you're at this level of exhausted, physically tired, emotionally drained, spiritually empty, and it's not about your productivity, it's about your marriage. It's about your relationships. It's about so much more than just being productive. Because some of us, we wanna overcome exhaustion so that we can do more and make more money, and, do, and that, that's part of the problem. Our energy is spent chasing things that do not last. And this is what I've learned. None of us are immune to this. You got sixth graders sitting in this room, exhausted. Well, they're in sixth grade. Well, they had to be exhausted about it. Living their world for about five minutes because it ain't like when you were in sixth grade. And if you want to know, see Preston Steele. He'd love to have you volunteer in our student ministry. Thank you. Do you know that's even biblical? Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 29. 
Scripture says, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The scripture makes it clear that that exhaustion is not something that's just for parents or business owners or whatever category you think gets exhausted. And be careful how you judge people's exhaustion. What you got to be exhausted about if you only knew? If you only knew. And it seems like more and more young, old, everywhere in between, like people are just experiencing this sense of exhaustion that is robbing them from everything that we read in Romans 15, 13. Joy, peace, hope. And if we're going to be the vessel, if we're going to be the instrument, that God has called us to be, to take his message to the world, we got to escape it, y'all. And so that begs, uh, so what's the remedy, pastor? Well, I know our default is to say the, the, the remedy is rest. And I won't disagree. Rest, rest is at the fabric of our faith, and we don't even know it. Yeah, I know, I'm glad... I'm glad that we are a culture, we're a community that values work ethic. I think God values work work ethic. This church wouldn't exist if it weren't for the work ethic of so many people that make this thing happen week in and week out. The years of setup and tear down. I said at one time, we're the hardest working church in all of Christendom. (laughs) I I believe scripture very clearly says that those who refuse to work are lazy, but those who are unwilling to rest are just disobedient. Because rest is not something God has suggested, y'all. Look at me. Rest is something God has commanded. And this whole idea of Sabbath, this rhythm of rest, this one in every seven hit pause, it was well before the law was given. Like one of the very first things that God commanded his people was, hey, gather what you need on the sixth day to cover you for the seventh day because the seventh day you got to chill out. That was well before the law was ever given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And it was modeled by God in creation. That it says on six days he did everything, on the seventh he rested. And now y'all, God didn't rest because he was tired. He's God. He does not get tired. He rests to model a priority that he wanted to see in his people. We need to rest. And that's why even as a church, we've decided, like, we, we understand the importance of rest. And last year, we decided we were going to add a, another Sabbath Sunday to our church calendar. That now twice a year, once in the middle of the year and once at the end of the year, we're going to do no in-person gatherings just to give all those amazing people that work really hard to make this thing happen a Sunday where we say, sleep in, rest. <laughs> and so the next time we do that will be with July 3rd. We're not going to have any in-person gatherings on July 3rd because we just want to say to our volunteers, we love you. We know you need a break. We've been in about 14 months of this three gathering thing. Many of y'all showing up at five o'clock in the morning, leaving at two in the afternoon for the grand price of free. And we just want to give you a rest. We want you to sleep in or go to the lake or do whatever you want to do. And it's so funny, every now and then when we do this, I can't believe y'all not gonna have church. It's usually somebody that says that to me is somebody who doesn't serve. 
And then, no, sorry. No, I'm not. It's, it's like, hey, man, like, just take a rest. Enjoy your family. Because you know what? We need you. And we need you to be healthy. And you know what? I'm much more concerned about your health and your marriage and your parenting than I am what you do in this building on Sundays as much as I'm grateful. You need to be healthy and whole. And if we have to hit pause a couple times a year and not have in-person gatherings, and, and we can leverage technology for those two Sundays because rest is important. Rest is important. And maybe the reason why you're exhausted is because you haven't honored that. I mean, even in Jesus' ministry, he recognized when his followers were burnt out and tried to get them away. And in Mark 6, he does that, and it doesn't even work out that great, but you see his heart. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 30. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and all they had taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many are coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, if you keep reading that, they still end up people chasing after them and demanding, and Jesus does what Jesus does. But there is this idea that, that we need to rest, that God modeled for us and commanded us to find a, a rhythm of rest. But here's the thing. There's some people like, Matt, I'm doing that. I heard you preach that sermon 10 years ago because it's not the first time I brought this up before our congregation, that God wants us to rest. And you're like, I'm doing it. I adopted that pattern. Me and my family, we, we have this rhythm where we disconnect and, and we rest and we get away together and we hit pause once every seven days and we, we shut out the world. But then all of a sudden, I find I, I'm still exhausted. Again, some of us, like, you're like, Matt, a nap ain't gonna do it. A day of rest isn't gonna do it. And that's because some of us need to recognize that maybe the, the reason why we're exhausted isn't the result of a lack of rest. Because th look at me, there are other things that can exhaust you. There are other things that can wear you out besides just the absence of rest. That you can rest and still be exhausted. If other things are present in your life that don't need to be there, if there are some changes that need to be made but we refuse to make, that even though we're taking one day a week or whatever to rest, doesn't mean that necessarily we've eliminated or escaped the exhaustion. Isn't it funny how like we just keep waiting for everything to shift, man. As soon as we get through the fall and sports end, oh, we'll have time to take a breather. I mean, and it, but, Christmas comes. As soon as we get through Christmas and all the holiday parties, we can, we can finally take a breath. Oh, winter's come. As soon as we get through winter and basketball season and then spring comes. And then next thing you know, as soon as we can, soon as we can get to Dirty Myrtle for a week, have us a good old time. As soon as we get, can, can go to Disney, you just come back tired and broke if that's your plan. Because... We think that it's just about disconnecting or just about a week, but there's so much more. There's so many other things. There's so many other factors that could be contributing, look at me, to the exhaustion that you feel. You know how I know this? Because I've lived it. 
And over the last few years, God has started to reveal to me some things about my life that my reason for exhaustion, so much so that I was on the brink of giving up last fall, is wasn't because I didn't have a rhythm of rest. It wasn't because I didn't have permission to take space. There were other things that I had to wrestle with that maybe you need to hear as well. Because one of the things that keeps me exhausted, exhausted is a pace I can't sustain. Look at me. There are some of us that are living at a six-day pace that a single-day Sabbath can't solve. There are some of us that we're living at a six-day pace that a single-day Sabbath cannot solve. And if you don't do something to shift that six-day pace, no matter how often you live in that rhythm, you're gonna wear yourself out. That we are going and going and going and going, that our feet hit the floor and we stuff so much stuff into our lives that it's bursting and the seams are beginning to rip. And if you don't take something away, if you don't prune something out of your life, collapse is inevitable. And what I've discovered is pace gets off when priorities get lost. Pace gets off when priorities get lost. Because pace gets off when we start saying yes to things we should say no to. And some of us, we just have that, yeah, I can do that, sure, I'll be there. Yes, 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 yes. And you are yesing yourself to death. And when your priorities are misaligned, you don't know where you should say no. And it's contributing to this pace that's wearing you down. Solomon, guy from the Bible, really wise. You should read Ecclesiastes sometimes. Why? First of all, because it's in the Bible. Second of all, because wise man Solomon had a lot of good things to say. And he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after the wind. Like, I got it. I did it all. I made it all happen. I did this, I did this, and I did this. But at what cost? At what cost? Maybe it's not that you're failing to observe that single-day Sabbath. Maybe it's a six-day pace that you cannot sustain. And it needs to change today. You need to get priorities in order. Or you need to start seeking God for where you need to prune so that you can slow down. I find myself exhausted because of a pace I can't sustain. I also often find myself exhausted because I have a problem I can't solve. And there's nothing more exhausting than spending time and energy to solve a problem that just doesn't seem to be solvable. Have you ever been there? Talk to me, church. Where you've got, and I'm, I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe whatever the problem is. And you've been, you've been trying, and you've been talking, and you've been doing all the things, and you're trying to fix the stuff, and you're devoting time and energy, and, and it still, it just will not resolve. It will not. You cannot find a solution, and, and it's just maddening that you can't figure it out. And you know what I've learned? Sometimes I'm like, God, I can't solve this problem. You know what God says? You're not supposed to. 
Because even learning sometimes, you know, there's a difference between problems that can be solved and tensions that you just have to learn how to manage. And knowing the difference between those things is really important for your sanity. And sometimes I'm trying to solve problems, look at me, that are not mine to solve. I'm trying to fix problems for people that don't want them solved. And it is, it will make you weary trying to help somebody that doesn't want to be helped just yet. And learning how to, and there's some problems that you got to say, God just says, why don't you just let me have it? Why don't don't you just let me have it? Let me worry about that. And I know, man, I'm living in that tension of what's God's part and what's my part. What do I have to depend on him to do and what I have to depend on me to do? Here's what I know. If I don't do my part, it's going to go bad. If I try to do his part, it's going to go worse. And learning that discernment and when those anxious times come, and I'm just giving you the verses that God has given to me as I've tried to process these things. Philippians chapter four. Paul's got a problem he can't solve. He's in jail. He can't fix it. He can't. He not know what's going to happen. You know he's going to live or die from day to day. And he says in verse six of Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of us, we're wasting energy trying to solve problems that aren't ours to solve. And if we don't learn how to pray our way through these problems and get discernment from God about what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to trust him to do, we're going to wear ourselves out. I get exhausted because I find myself living at a pace I can't sustain. I find myself trying to fix problems I can't solve. And I find myself in the midst of critics I can't please. That's exhausting. And this is what I learned. Everybody's got critics. Not just the ones that watch your sermons online every week and want to pick them apart for what you did and didn't say right. Or if you're a leader, people who don't understand the decisions that you make or why you made them. If you've got employees that work under you, they don't, like you, you've always got critics or people that are, are watching how you parent your kids and they want to tell you how you can do it. Like we always have critics. And so often we can fall into this trap of trying to please them all. And what I've discovered is I don't know that we can please anybody, much less everybody anymore. And if we try to please people, we become a dog chasing his tail, spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning until we're so dizzy we can't even stand up. Nah, don't hear what I'm not saying. There are some voices in our lives that are strategically placed by God to speak accountability and correction and conviction into our lives. I had a person tell me one time, don't count your critics, weigh them, because not everybody's opinion is of equal importance. That there are voices in our lives that we need to trust, that we need to listen to. But when I find myself chasing after pleasing a critic that I don't have to please or I shouldn't please, it's exhausting. And I have to remind at the end of the day, I want to be able to lay my head on the pillow at night and say, God, are you pleased? That I live in a way that was operating in obedience to you and honoring you and following what you desire for my life. And am I in the word enough to know when I'm not? To be able to line those things up. And I'm reminded that 
my life, I don't live for other people. I live for Jesus. My first goal was not to please my wife or my kids or my church. My first responsibility is to please my God. Now think about Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. So if you didn't die for me, you don't define me. I find myself exhausted when I am living at a pace I can't sustain, trying to solve problems I can't solve, trying to please critics I can't please. I find myself exhausted when I have a wound I can't heal. Because this, look at me, it's exhausted to walk through life wounded. And maybe some of us are exhausted because we're walking wounded. And I don't know what caused the wound, but I know the only one who can fix it. Some of us, we were wounded in the last few years have definitely dealt some blows. More and more I talk to people in our church and in our culture, I think we have a world that's full of people who are grieving because the last couple years has taken a lot from people. And loss creates grief. And that wound, if it's not healed, will cripple your ability to walk joyfully and hopefully through life. And some of us, the reason why we're exhausted is because we're walking wounded and we know it. And this ain't the kind of wound you can just slap a Band-Aid on and it fix. And we've been trying those Band-Aids, the Band-Aids of a substance, whether it's alcohol or drugs, to try to heal that wound, or a relationship, or stuff. Oh, the right car will do it. Oh, the right wife will do it. Oh, the right job will do it. Oh, you're trying to stuff things of the world in a hole that only God can fill. And we're walking wounded. I love reading the Psalms because when I read David's words, it makes me feel normal. Psalm 6, verse 2, be gracious to me, O God, for I am languished. (laughs) Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Like he moves into the psalm and he's saying, God, you heal me. You heal me. That many of us, we're walking wounded and we wonder why we're exhausted. It's because there is a hole in you that only God can feel and you're trying to stuff the wrong things into it and it's exhausting. When I'm exhausted, I find it's more than just the result of a lack of rest. It's other things in my life. It's a pace I can't sustain, a problem I can't solve, a critic I can't please, a wound I can't heal. And sometimes, can we be honest? I'm exhausted because I have a sin I haven't confessed. Believe it or not, this is the one that will make you most weary. There's nothing more exhausting than carrying around the shame and the guilt of an unconfessed sin. For a lot of reasons. Not to mention the fact sin is what disrupts your relationship with God. And if your relationship with God is disrupted, you're disconnected, look at me, you're disconnected from the only source of strength we have 
It only comes from him. And so often, like the reason why we're walking around exhausted, and, and you know, we think about the big sins. What about the sin of pride? What about the sin of worry? Did he just call worry a sin? Jesus says, do not worry. If we do something Jesus commanded us not to do, in its essence, is that not sinful? That an unconfessed sin, David on the other side of his affair with Bathsheba, look at it, Psalm 32, says, for I have, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. He says, when that sin was still present in my life, when I had unconfessed sin present in my life, it was so heavy, it just like it was a weight that I was dragging around that wore me out. Maybe the reason why you're so exhausted is because you're carrying around the guilt and shame of a sin Jesus died to deliver you from. I want to be curiously hopeful, and I'm tired of being constantly exhausted. And I think God's Word gives us some off-ramps to that exhaustion that we constantly feel. But I think so many of us, we've tried, we've only tried the remedy of rest and we haven't been honest about some of these other things. So my question is, what do you need to do to escape the exhaustion? Because this is what I believe. When I preach a message like this, as soon as I say it, the Holy Spirit says, boom, that's yours. And something goes off in your spirit. As soon as I say it, boom, it was right. When I said, a pace you can't sustain, you were like, When I said, a wound you can't heal, all of a sudden the ache came in your body. When I said, a critic you can't please, that person came to your mind who you've been trying to please forever. And God's like, let me untether you from that. Or maybe when I said, a sin you need to confess, God said, it's time. It's time. It's time to break that pattern. I don't know. But can we just as we move into this summer in a time where we get some opportunity maybe to disconnect a little bit and refresh, can we do the things that we have maybe up until this point refused to do in order to escape that constant feeling of exhaustion so that we can live curiously hopeful and be the vessel that Jesus wants us to be? Would you stand with me? Before we get out of this room today, we're gonna worship one more time and can I invite you just to leverage this moment to talk to God for a little while? What do you need to do? As we're worshiping, I, I extend the same invitation that I did the first gathering. This platform is open. If you just need to come and kneel and pray, I know you can do it at your seat, but there's just something powerful and symbolic about just taking a step. What do you need to do? Anybody your heads close your eyes with me? God, would you speak to our hearts right now? Lord, would you reveal to your people the thing or the things that need to be done to help us all escape this constant feeling of exhaustion? Would you help your people, Lord? Would you help us all to have conversations with you right now that are transparent and real and honest as they've ever been? God, show us the thing that we need to do to escape that sense of exhaustion that many of us have been feeling and carrying for far, far too long. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Vintage Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at vintagechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Vintage Church app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.